Today's topic is vulnerability and courage and bravery. What is vulnerability? Is it a strength? Is it a weakness? Or is there more to vulnerability than just polar opposites? What is courage? What is bravery? How does it show up? How do you each relate to these three really powerful and impactful values? I suppose for, for, for me it is that these things kind of manifest at different stages in your life and, and you have different reactions to them based on kind of what, what the environment is, I suppose. So, you know, being vulnerable is at times easy, depending on kind of who you're with. Well, it's for, for me anyway, you know, with a partner or close friends or family, you know, particularly easy. Um, and I suppose the only time when uh, I find it difficult to be vulnerable would be in a new situation with new people. And that's just because I'm just assessing the situation and, and assessing, you know, who's in the room before I, you know, I choose to kind of be totally vulnerable. And I think that's good for, for the other people as, as much as it is good for me, um, you know, to get an assessment of, of what's going on first. Um, so I think that you actually have to be brave to be vulnerable. Um, and the kind of the two kind of reinforce each other is that you can't really do one without the other because when you're being vulnerable, you're deliberately letting your guard down in order to let other people in. Um, and so that requires an element of, of risk, which is, which is, I suppose, where the bravery comes in. Um, that was my kind of first thoughts when, when, you, when you were talking about a rehab. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that each thing kind of reinforces the other thing and, and you know, they don't exist without each other. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because people often assume that when people are being brave, that they're not, that they can't be scared or that they're, they're not vulnerable or they're, they're not worried about things. But quite often you then hear people say, well, I was terrified, but I just got them and did it. Um, but I think, you know, personally, sometimes they're detached because sometimes well you know is that true i was going to say sometimes i'm not scared of a situation and i still wade in and deal with it but maybe that's you don't need to be brave if you're not scared <laughs> um exactly yeah i think that's very true so um so yeah maybe they are always attached and um, for me though vulnerability is an interesting one because it has different for me there's different levels of it so you know I've got friends with whom I can be absolutely open and they get everything and sometimes that's very messy um, and I've got other people in my life that get some bits but not everything um, at times in my life I've been in front of therapists or counsellors and they and have tried to not be vulnerable and then ended up being anyway um, so yeah it's quite setting specific I think for me and, and, and connection specific with different people and if I feel that I can be open and therefore I suppose to some degree vulnerable in that they get everything good and bad and worried and brave and all the bits of you um then i don't mind that I, I, it doesn't i don't need to feel brave to be open with people but then maybe that's you know developed over time didn't always be like that and bruce you've just said it depends on what stage you're at in your life i think that's very true because um, it does come with maturity i think just to to follow on from that Tim as well as I think that we um it's actually you know being vulnerable with someone often is actually a really powerful tool in which to like build a relationship with someone and you can do it you know and sometimes in the right context when you know we know we know, we know it in our experiences when we meet someone and they kind of tell you something and you're going oh okay you're letting me in okay and then you're aware of that that's the kind of conversation you're having and it can be really in the right moment in the right context it can be really quite endearing and i think that it's a really powerful way to build uh relationships and there's certain things i feel like you know, i'm not 
there's maybe some things other people would find impossible to share because it would make them look or feel vulnerable but to me are maybe not things that you know that i'm worried how they'll perceive it you know i'm not worried about it therefore it's not really a vulnerability um, but it might be to, to other people and so it feels like i'm being open when really i'm uh, it doesn't feel like i'm revealing very much um, and i think that these things are always good and it's good to measure it just based on who, who you're with for your own for your own safety for their kind of you know building relationships because I think when people are kind of, you know, go straight into that in a situation, it makes it actually really difficult to relate sometimes if you've not built the, the safety and the space for, for, for those kind of conversations and, and situation to, to happen. There's a one thing that I, I spotted you, you mentioned about a specific situation or surroundings, environment that you would share, uh, you know, some vulnerabilities with people. But... Um, I found it vulnerability or a willingness to be vulnerable can be very useful in many situations in business or like you mentioned, communication with others, building relationships. And I actually pretty much, and some people might think this is like oversharing uh, when you, when you just like say something that you, you just expl explain this reaction, like, Whoa, Oh, okay. You're letting me in. So that might seem like oversharing, but I tend to actually get some kind of revelation right from the get-go to a person um, because that breaks all the eyes for me and uh, shows this person that I'm not feeling superior, I'm not feeling any special, that we are on the same level, um, that, for example, if I'm talking about something brave that I did, uh, something that took a lot of courage, I immediately follow that up with saying that I was really scared when I was doing it. Um, especially if I speak to people who are less experienced than me. Uh, one exa example is with uh, my assistant who is less experienced. Um, and whenever she makes a mistake, I would make sure to tell her a story how I messed up uh, and overshare how terrible I felt and how my feelings were like, how scared I was and, and all everything bad that happened that day. Being vulnerable, despite being her boss, allows me to give her like, uh, you know, the space to then um, feel um, accept, acceptance and then uh, give them the freedom to kind of make those mistakes grow and improve for in future projects. And that works in relationships as well. Um, so for example, if I would go on a date with a girl, I would share a personal story straight away, uh, something that is very, shows me from this really vulnerable human side. Um, because I heard, for example, many girls would think, oh, I'm a, a very arrogant, talkative, open, extroverted. So I just wanted to kind of bring it down by sharing a relatable experience. And it's super useful. I find it useful. Um, and it usually uh, also shows other characteristics in a person. It shows not just courage, but I also uh, think it shows um, empathy. It shows uh, just social awareness i think uh when you talk about that so that's kind of my point of view and i i find it easy compared to my father who was super close and uh he would never share he was the tough guy he would be like always you know doing his thing never explaining himself never saying why he would do it and i think there was like this moment um in in my and his life when he was um, on his deathbed, I would say, and, and he would finally share something that he was scared of dying. Um, and that was the first time that when my father um, kind of uh, showed his vulnerability. And I think he should have done it earlier. And we all um, should do it on a regular basis. Um, that's why I'm like constantly doing that. Like I'm not afraid to even, like even here when we are talking, um, I'm not afraid of oversharing all those things on YouTube. And I think it's, it's the relatability part because we often feel like our problems are so exclusive to us and that you know, we're the only ones that have gone through this and that 
you know we've got a perception to keep up and when you when you then are able to be vulnerable then that's when everyone else goes oh yeah me too you know i'm going through that too or i've had that experience or you know there's something that i can relate to and i think it builds relationships so much faster and i think it's particularly relevant actually when you think about the world today with our our social media profiles are not a true reflection on 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 who we are and what we really feel um for for the vast majority anyway that almost is makes it harder to be vulnerable sometimes i think for for, for people because there's like this perception that i now have li i'm literally i've created and i'm continuing to curate that that perception and so to deviate from that is actually a vulnerability because you're letting people in on a side that um you know that, that you're not showing elsewhere um but the relatability is that people are like oh thank goodness because i'm going through that too and i'm building this fake profile too but this is what we're actually we're all really like you know and i, and I think that's the bit that's that's the most powerful part of it you know, it could be very brave, courageous thing to do in the, if you were this kind of person. You could simply get out one day and on your Instagram, on your Facebook and whatever and say, do you know what? I have to admit something. I've been building this fake persona. I'm not really that person. Uh, you know, my life is not so glamorous. I do make some money. I do this. I do that. But, you know, just so you know, it's like I'm just a regular guy. And uh, that could help potentially. I think the irony of that is that, that that post itself will probably then blow up and be your most popular post you've ever put out there. <laughs> yeah, being a bit older, it's uh, <laughs> the idea of building a fake persona online uh, in general day-to-day -day terms is quite alien to me. Um, it's much more, I, I get it much more in terms of the sort of male performance of being male. Um, and it's interesting, Alan, you, you mentioned your dad being quite closed off. My, my father kind of was and kind of wasn't. He, he was quite an angry man and you saw that a lot. So that was never really closed off. But I remember one time he was, um, he was a lay preacher and so we were at church one time and one of um, one of the people he was quite close to had died and he had to announce it at church that, that John had died. And um, he broke down while he was saying about this on, on the, at the rostrum. It wasn't a church as such. Um, and had to go out to the bathrooms and I and I followed him out because I'd never really seen my dad cry before and to do it in such a public setting you know with 300 people watching him um, I just went and said to him you're right must be hard and it, and you know the shutters were immediately there he didn't let me in anyway but um, I was glad I did it but um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one because I think emotion, which is kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? We're talking about we'll let people in when we're feeling anxious or worried or not sure of ourselves or we don't know what to do or we've messed up. All these things that are, are poor performance for real life happening. Um, the things that we don't get right or that don't look right. Um, in terms of that, you kind of choose, don't you, which which you open up about. I'm sure you do. It can't just be me um, and not just my dad. So um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting because again, coming back to what you know we said earlier. Some emotions are okay to put out there. Bruce, you said, you know, people think that you are being vulnerable and actually you're just being yourself and what you're comfortable with. So it, it's so individual. I think it's quite difficult to, to talk about anybody else's experience in terms of this. Um, you know, and like I said, my dad in that instance shut down immediately and didn't want to take it any further. He didn't want to talk to me about it um i don't think he talked to my mum about it afterwards 
it just went away after this sort of few minutes of tearful sadness in public. Um, so yeah, it's a weird one. Um, do you share? Do you share when you have a moment like this? I'm not saying in terms of like if somebody died, but if there's a moment of sadness or you're scared, do you share it with someone um, on a regular basis? I don't know, um, somebody from your family or your partner. Yeah, it depends. I, I have certain people in my life that I that get everything. So you know, my, I've got an adult daughter who I am absolutely myself with. And she knows everything about me. Um, I never pretend to be anything other than what I am in the moment with her. And that's been the same. Well, is it true? Is that true? I think it's true. I don't think there's anything I wouldn't share with her. And it's been the same since she's been 16, 17, you know, a grown up person. And that developed out of our situation um, of me and her mother being um, apart from when she was little. Um, but it just seems natural. And I've got one or two other people in my life who are the same. And I think you, you feel, personally, I feel that with those people, it's okay. They, they don't need to be protected from the messes that I make or the, the worry I might cause by not being okay. They're big enough and they love me enough to, to help me carry that stuff. What about people at work, uh, especially people below you? Well, it's a different situation in that people at work don't get my personal stuff because it's work. Um, and because they, they get honesty and they get a real relationship, but, but they're only seeing a work part of me. And, and I think as a manager over the years, you know, in my early years of managing other people, I got into trouble for crossing those professional boundaries by trying to be friends with people and trying to be liked. And nowadays in work, work is work and other people are where my, my personal, not professional life is, is seated. And I think though that work's a great example of a place where we we, we, we set the context and are, are, are have a different degree of vulnerability because, you know, in a, when a leadership position is a fantastic place to be vulnerable with people, but you're not giving them your, your you know, the deep depth of, of you necessarily with, with detail, um, but you, you, are trying, you are trying to relate to people and acknowledge with them that, you know, these are normal emotions or feelings because you've had experiences that are similar. That's a great way to do it. But I think it's, again, it's, it's so important that we don't, we, we know what the, the situation is and the context is when we're, when we're sharing. Um, and I think that that's, that's just so important for getting the tone right for, for what you're doing. And, and that when you, you know, I find that when you're, when people are vulnerable with each other, it builds relationships so quickly. It's, it's something that, you know, we used to do a lot as work, part of work, as was part of the kind of workshops around our, our programs. We do exercises where people become vulnerable. It's because it makes them, in our experience, far better leaders and, and, and people, as, as it turns out. But you have to start the session, have it in the session, and close the session and, and kind of move out of it if you're going to go deep. And I think that's the thing that we're talking about is that you have to have that in the right moment. And in the right moment, it's fantastic. Um, but in other times, we need to give a different, a different degree of ourselves. Um, and I think, you know, we have much better kind of relationships with people when we're on in a relatively even relationship. So when you're vulnerable, they're vulnerable. But when you don't need to be, people recognize that as well. And I think this comes back to, again, things I'm not worried about 
are not vulnerabilities. So in our workplace, we have, you know, we've tried to be open about what motivates us. Um, so you have that honesty there. Um, and in, a, in another situation or in a different working environment, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, in some of the big, still macho corporate financial environments that you know, we come across still these days, if you opened up to colleagues about some of the things that you know, motivate our team, that could be used against you um, as a weakness um, or as a, you know, a show of disloyalty to, to the ethos of your, your, your contemporaries. So it's interesting. And again, it's about defining terms, I think. You know, so for me to say in our team, I'm really not motivated by money. So I find it very hard to sell things. <laughs> it, it, you know, puts me in a position where, you know, if I have a boss that's, that needs me to sell things, it's not the best thing to have opened up about. Mm. So, um, you know, there's practicalities around this as well. I think you're right, Bruce. You, you know, kind of have to make it, we have to monitor our participation in the context that we're in. Um, and, and therefore, maybe calling them vulnerabilities for me is a bit less than it's a bit generalized you know what i mean i mean i would in this actual example i wouldn't agree for example with the with 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 the selling part i think the truth always always comes out and uh, if a person is hiding the fact that they cannot sell and they, they don't have like they're not good at it it will come out anyway so why would they try to uh, cover that up? Obviously, they might, might be in a situation where they need money, they need a job, they need something, and they try to do everything they can to get it. But uh, like I think that corporate environment where people fake something to get somewhere, eventually the truth will caught them, uh, eventually co will co catch up with them. So uh, I think this is not the way to go like uh, for 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 the future for people like in my opinion they should be honest they should be vulnerable they should be courageous and admit to their weaknesses even in, if it means in short um, term have less but in the long run it will actually pay out better because i think they'll get a more suitable job more suitable position and they will maybe have a boss that will actually appreciate uh, honesty that's my opinion yeah you know i think it, the thing about that is that you know it's okay to make trade-offs but i i feel anyway it's okay to make uh not every environment needs to serve me my entire self all the time you know and, and i feel that about, very strongly about relationships is that not I don't expect any one relationship to give me absolutely everything that I need from it. Um, because I, I think that mostly because I think that's unfair on the other person. Uh, and so I, I think that it's, it's okay to sometimes moderate what, what I would never, uh, never condone is a, as a whole workplace that kind of uh, oppresses upon you that you can't share any vulnerability because that is, uh, that's a zero sum game because people can't come with the energy that they need to difficult tasks when they feel like there's a weight on on the kind of emotional strain. Um, so I don't think that's the, the, that you should tolerate that either. Um, but I do think that sometimes it's, you do need to be conscious of the situation um, and and kind of act act accordingly. Um, but I also think that um, you know we need to recognise that uh, it depends where you derive. I guess your power from because if I am, I don't mind being vulnerable with people because I'm not expecting upon them to make me feel powerful. So I don't really care whether they know or not because it's really it's a it's a gesture I'm giving them. I'm actually awarding them with a bit of an insight in, into me. How they receive it is really entirely up to them. Um, that makes it easy to share. I suppose when you're in a situation where when you share, there's a consequence it makes it much harder to share and, and then you have to kind of weigh up the scenario. Um, 
And I think that's maybe where it becomes difficult at work because you're trying to assess different people at different times. So I think for your own well-being, it's it's good to it's good to be kind of conscious of of who and when when you're sharing. So being that we're each in both work environments as well as in personal environments, how do you make decisions around being vulnerable, being courageous, or being brave with social media, with you know things that are sometimes out of our control when somebody posts a picture that you don't want them to post personally, or work announces something you know, and, and tags you on it, and it doesn't align with your values. I suppose for me, again, being, being the old man of the group, I, I use, I'm on Facebook. I don't have Facebook friends who post crap that, you know, is oppressive, misogynistic, racist, because um, I've got my nice little social bubble of lefty liberal snowflakes um, and we all love everybody so um, so yeah it's kind of tricky but in it happens in for me it happens more in, in a work situation so whereby if people say something that is out of line um, and generally speaking I will I will challenge them on it and, then, and I've learned a long time ago that I am challenging them because of my sense of what's right and wrong rather than to defend anybody particularly. Um, because of the things I genuinely feel. So again, it comes back to this, you know, is that being brave? I mean, you know, we've just said it's the consequences or the judgment of what will the act, what what will the consequence of my action be? That's the measure of how brave you have to be to do it. So the consequences usually are that I'll either have an argument or somebody will back down, which is which is not it's not massive, is it? <laughs> it's a bit of a ding dong or nothing. Um, so is that being brave? Probably not, but it is making sure that, you know, that I challenge when, when it's right to do so. Um, and as, as a younger person, I know I didn't used to do that. It was much easier to say nothing. Um, what changed for you, Tim? Um, Don't know. I think I think the sense of what's right and what's wrong became more important, I suppose, than the temporary uncomfortableness of having to step up and say something. Um, and that knowing how you want things to be becomes more certain over time. I mean, I've talked before in this group about um, challenging my my mum on her treatment of my dad because it seemed that he was taking advantage, and that you know that was at eleven or twelve. So I think some things, yeah, I, th I, I think for me it's the way that that your values become concrete over time. So it was easy early on to see an injustice for my mother because your mum's the first person for a lot of us that you spend lots of time with and you watch and and you see the consequences of their actions um but for other things in the outside world it took me longer to build those values and for them to become part of who i think i want to be i mean I think the, um, I mean, I think that I mean that as a as a kind of um, really personal experience, it really kind of starts to make you think about, you know, where does it, where does it come from, and 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 where does it, where does it stem from, I suppose, and that, and it's a really interesting question because, um, 
I guess so often at times, I think particularly when you're when you're young and you're just kind of going through the motions, you don't really think about where, you know, where's where's this motive, where's this manifested itself from, what was the kind of the root of it? Because I actually think that uh, when I was young, I was I couldn't handle any injustice with anyone. I was like everyone's every, at school. I was everyone's union rep. I was that's how that's how I responded to everything. I, I was desperate to dive in and argue and be in front of everyone and just I just because I, partly in truth is because I really enjoyed the argument. I really enjoyed having the arguments with people, but it's because actually at home we argued all the time, and it was all it, there was there was no there was no ne really negative repercussion from any heated argument. It was just, we argued about it and then we kind of fizzled out. Someone was right or wrong and it was kind of, it moved on from there. Mostly it was actually eventually being told we need to <laughs> calm this down and meet our dinner. Um, so like for me, actually, as I've got older, I'm, I, I, I've become more measured and probably more likely to, uh, because my, my, through my work, I took channel a lot of kind of, like activist uh, messaging around our kind of, uh, you know, sustainable business and that kind of stuff. So I've got a lot, we've got loads of opinions there. Um, but in my kind of personal life, I'm much more likely to just um, quite chilled out about most things. And, and, and kind of, there's not much that really, that really riles me up, to be honest with you anymore. I think I've, <laughs> it's like I've exhausted it all in my teenage years. Um, and I'm already feeling like I'm much, much more passive towards things. Things don't, don't get a rise in, in, in the same way. Um, and I, and I think that's, I feel like that's ultimately a good thing. I actually feel like, you know, you, I can call things out when it feels like it's appropriate to, but I also, I don't feel I need to do the performance of calling things out in that way anymore. I don't feel called to have to, to prove it to anyone or justify why I feel a particular way. Like I'm not interested in the performance or who's watching anymore. I wanted to say that whenever I hear your story, Bruce, sometimes I wonder like where we have lots of things in common. I think we're a little bit similar. And whenever I hear a story from you, I'm like, I recognize that behavior. I recognize this. <laughs> I, I, I did some same things here. I'm just wondering uh, if you're going to find yourself in a similar position. So one of the values um, that I, I appreciate a lot is... Um, honesty, integrity, and transparency. And uh, Tim will be a perfect, uh, uh, he, he, he was one of the people that experienced that on himself when I gave him a call some time ago. So I have this, um, let's call it a habit. Whenever I mess up really bad, um, or I do something stupid, or I do something that is really, I'm not something that is out of order or, or just I'm not I'm not even sure if it's out of order but I think I messed up I would go uh, directly to the source uh, pick up the phone and immediately try to um, tell the person that's that's the vulnerable part and the courage part where I directly address the situation and things that happen uh, before they escalate into some big problems in the future. They are very uncomfortable conversations. Many times I dread those, those phone calls. My girlfriend always like, uh, tells me, like, I cannot believe you do that. Like, honestly, those are the, the phone calls that you don't want to do, and you have to do them at least once a week. You just like, you got to pick up that phone. You don't want to speak, but you do. And you just say, I messed up. Um, I did something that I was not supposed to. I said something I was not supposed to, uh, or um, this is this is like you clarify things. And uh, yeah, I did that with Tim. And uh, I know there will be many situations in the future um, where things like this happen. And I found this very useful and uh, liberating uh, because you can uh, you can catch. Uh, those mistakes before they create a big um, domino effect and then they destroy your reputation or they destroy your your uh, career uh, just simply by being brave at the beginning and doing the, the hard uh, painful call at the beginning uh, rather than trying to rescue the situation a year from now or whatever when when there's a unexpected um, you know, 
contact from someone saying bad things about you. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, that ownership of of what's happened and trying to move things along or, or giving an apology if it's needed. Um, you know, I think that's, it's just part of being an adult, isn't it? It's, you know, it's owning what you do. I, and I, I was, I've been it's thinking- not common. It's not common though, um, between, I totally agree, it's being an adult, but it's not so common these days. No, I suppose, I suppose not. And it's potentially, have, with some of the role models that we've got, or the, some of the public figures we've got out there at the moment, it, it's getting less popular as well. But um, I've been thinking while we've been talking about how the relationship with my son influence or, or is influenced by this topic or how this topic interacts with my relationship with him. And it's, um, it's interesting how vulnerability, I think, plays out in that, in, in whether you use the power that you have over a child in size, in knowledge, in experience, or whether you stay in the moment with them. And, you know, quite often that does take some apologizing. You know, when, when our kids are 25 minutes into not putting their shoes on um, and you end up yelling at them, um, apologizing for that really has to be the way forward even though it's it might seem a silly example but you know trying to get them to see that being loud and, 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 and aggressive is not the right way to do things um, and that you messed up by falling into it um, is quite an interesting example of this for me. I've got a question for you then because uh, yeah. I don't have children and uh, if when I have one I would love to know the answer to this so uh, please be my mentor in that moment um, <laughs> um, so like I explained to you like I, I prefer to be vulnerable whenever possible and uh, not be afraid to you know uh, sh share so if let's say I have a little child and um, something is happening in our marriage or in family or just simply you happen to be tired or scared of something you worry um would you share with that little child that you worry that you are stressed at work and that's why you react this way would you be like um like treating this child like it was an adult and you're just like telling them oh i act this way because you know i'm a little bit um you know tired or overworked i'm gonna do better next time whatever or you just would you not say anything like that you just keep being the strong father figure um i i have it, it kind of sounds like a justification sometimes but you know i know that um i i need him to understand that it's harder to be doing the right thing when you're tired, when you're worried, when things are not going right. So yeah, I, it's where appropriate and where there's, a, where there's time to have a proper conversation where they're listening and you know that you're both communicating in a good place, then I think those explanations really help that you know, we, we slip and we get things wrong when we've not got our full focus and our energy on, on getting them right. So, and that makes some situations in life easier than others. Um, I think what's more difficult to explain to a child are some of the, the issues that are around emotional maturity. So, because you, you could, 
because they're just not ready. I mean, there, there is a difference between being a child and being an adult. Um, so some of the issues are a bit complex, but you know, the, the straightforward, simple stuff that makes up 90% of living, as far as I'm concerned, um, that most of that stuff can be talked about openly and, and honestly, yeah. I mean, I don't have any children, so I, I have no qualified opinion on whatsoever. Um, but I am often aware, so my partner works in, in high school in the kind of behavioral department and we have similar conversations believe it or not and this is not to do with the, the behavior level but just to do with managing people is that we share stories that are similar with my experience being you know having a team of people and trying to manage their different emotions and 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 guess also what stage they're at for like information and what they are what they've agreed to take on and what is, is, is my responsibility and what's their responsibility, you know, sometimes sharing too much with them is really not fair for them at all because that, that's not their responsibility. There's nothing they can really do in that situation. You've just added pressure that they are, will likely worry about. But in other times, it's really important to explain through, you know, why I might have responded in the way I should, that I ought not to. And that it's okay that I did that because I've caught it, I'm acknowledging it, I'm apologizing for it. We're modeling the fact we all make mistakes. Um, and then the people I think feel great about that because they're like, great, there's a model for me to follow when I make a mistake too. Um, and I, like the parallels between like the experiences and stories I have working with a, with a team is really quite funny sometimes. In the business, like articles and stories about like human-led leadership and then the stuff in schools around nurture it's the same stuff it's the same language is that it's about kind of nurturing a relationship and then as you build the relationship and as they advance you can share more and you can then start to share the the burdens of life with with people um but i guess what you don't want to do is overburden them and it makes it very difficult potentially for them to to be able to open up later on because they're carrying this stuff and not knowing how to process it it's interesting watching that change over the last 25 years in business. You know, I think we've got largely Daniel Goldman and uh, Nathaniel, what's his face, the self-awareness guy, um, to, to thank for that. That, you know, you, you didn't used to have that human leadership because you could get results without it. Um, and to some degree, like, um, you know, Alan said as well, that, that openness and honesty and, and owning up to your mistakes, we seem to be uh, creeping away from it in some areas of life because people want to be macho and gung-ho and, and not care about other people. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a lovely change in business and, and speaking to more and more employers who want to be caring about those around them and the, and the world around them um, makes it more of a uh, a relatable setting doesn't it between humans which is lovely i think uh what, what this what is good is that uh, sudden, finally people are opening up their eyes and they realize that being fake macho is not courage and being vulnerable and doing the right thing is courage so they they kind of realize what actually is important and what basically you cannot really fake that courage once you um once you learn it and and yeah that whole facade closeness of a macho guy it's like the thing of the past uh, but i wanted to hit uh, on another angle with courage and since we were talking about parenting a little bit and children um so my parents has been have been very courageous straight from the get-go when I, when we were very young me and my brother my parents would give me and my brother uh, a lot of freedom to go out and go do some shopping uh, get some stuff done for them like i don't remember the age exactly but basically they would let us um out of the house very early and trust that we would handle certain um tasks that they've been asking us to do 
whether it was shopping, whether it was my mama asked me to go travel across the town to get something for her from our auntie. Um, they would basically get us to be as independent and self-reliant as quickly as possible, even though maybe before we even were, uh, you know, uh, big enough to do that and capable of enough to doing that, but they were courageous into letting us go do that. Now, on the other side, you have parents who are being very protective and they are like, we are not gonna basically put their children under a cloche and not let them try do things and they lack this courage because it, it requires courage to let your kid do something that sometimes may be dangerous for them. Even just letting them outside of your house without your protection is you know, scary and could be dangerous uh, depending on where you live also. But uh, you need to be brave enough and believe trusting enough to, you know, to your kid to, to do it. And it's kind of like um, interesting for me to observe this um, because there are different families of different people that I, I, I interact with and I see some will would let their kids get out, do something very early. And some will be like, no, you're not going anywhere without me. Hold my hand. Let's cross the road together and so on. So I'm just wondering where this courage comes from. Like, is it from here? The fact that I want my child to be capable. Therefore, I'm going to trust and believe and give like be brave in my decisions or is it a different place that comes from I, I i really don't know but i'm kind of curious again i'm sorry, i'm going to jump in tim because i'm going to, I'm going to give you the expert position as you actually have kids and i and i don't so <laughs> so this is just all conjecture um but when you were speaking there alan i was thinking you know I suppose the, the courage to, to give your kids that freedom maybe comes because you know you've taken the steps to kind of walk them through scenarios in a more safer environment prior to that. So, you know, you're hopefully giving them a bit of exposure to, to risk, but actually it's not that much risk. And so you're kind of slowly extending the boundaries. And so yeah, I imagine, it is, I imagine it's very daunting the first time you let them out when you're not there. But maybe you just do that for a short period of time. And, you know, that's what I would imagine is it's about uh, phasing that out over, over time. And, you, you know, it's good to be put in the stretch zone sometimes. So as a, as, a, as a kid, you might feel like, I can't believe I'm being allowed to do this, particularly if your peers are not being able to do it. Um, but actually, hopefully, as, as the, the parents in the scenario, they're aware that it's not actually nearly as daunting as, or, or as worrying as you, as, you, as you feel it is. Um, and so I think that that's, that, you know, I would imagine that's the way. How you actually feel when you've got kids and you're letting them out and you can't see them and you don't know who they're... And that's maybe why my, my parents asked me 20 questions any time I left the house. Where are you going? Who are you going with? Where are you going to be? is John's mum know you're going all that kind of stuff you know but, because but, they, they want to get a read on it but they have to be really like really brave to do it to be honest like when you want to get your kid out even though you ask those questions they they have to have to you know I, I just cannot imagine how stressful it has to be when you get to get that kid out for the first time but I think also you know there is an element of certainly the impression I felt is that I believed that my parents believed in me. So whether that was them faking that and they were performing that out, good job, because I, I lapped it up. Um, but I believed that they had confidence in my ability. So when I would leave to do something, I was excited and kind of pumped up for doing it rather than, the, I certainly didn't get the impression that they were really kind of worried about it. Because when they were worried about things, you feel that anxiety as a kid really strongly. When they're nervous about something, you know, that's something that is kind of really quite, prevalent um so maybe it's part of like you know maybe they're performing it or maybe they do actually just kind of actually they do believe that you're more than capable of this and, and you'll be okay yeah and i think again like life seems to have changed a bit in this regard so you know we i've got little kids and i've got a grown-up one um and attitudes have changed and, and for me it's about anxiety and anxiety generated by communities of interest and 
popular belief about how dangerous things are. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the parallel, I suppose, for me is around, again, being a manager in a workplace that, you know, you, you delegate tasks to people and they have an element of challenge, but a massive element of belief that the job will be done to a certain standard. Um, and you want to grow your people into um, confident, uh, capable workers that can do what you need them to. And it's, it's the same with kids that, you know, you want to challenge them a little bit, but you also want them to grow confidently and being confident means I am a person that can do this thing. So you, you, you spoon feed it to some degree. And I, and I think, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that because although I don't like being a parent, I love my kids. Um, and I wouldn't want any harm to come to them. But part of, you know, what, what I see as harm is, is the stunting of that confident growth. So, you know, there's, there's an element of risk, like you say, Alan, in, in letting people out to play. Um, but my personal understanding of the world is that I don't think it's as bad as the Daily Mail says it is. Whereas, you know, groups of mums of kids at our school, when you hear them talking in the playground, the world is full of paedophiles, you know, round every gatepost. So therefore, I can't possibly let my children out anywhere. But a lot of those same kids are kind of sat with a screen in front of them, not experiencing the real world either. So, you know, we've all got our own personal view on how we bring our kids up. but. I think for most people, you, they, they really care about their kids and they judge what's going to harm them and what will help them grow. Um, How is it any different from a partner, for example, when your partner goes off to work or goes on a holiday and they're exposed to other people? I agree. You I have agree. to have faith and believe and trust in the values that you've aligned with your partner as you have with your children, maybe on a you're not, level. You're not responsible for them, are you? Depends. Are you wearing your protective hat? <laughs> nah. I'll give, you, <laughs> I'll give you an example. I usually have this because my girlfriend tends to cycle without a bike helmet. And uh, whenever she gets on that bike and I see her driving, uh, like riding away, I'm shaking and uh, like in anger. And like, I don't wanna, you know, tell her what to do and like I can I can say like please put a helmet on or something but she's kind of uh, you know stubborn and she doesn't do that so so you kind of have to trust it and again being like there is like par partly the courage the bravery the the trust I think it's an integral part by the way trusting and believing in something it's an integral part to this equation you were talking about um, Riham so uh, yeah, it happens the same. It's not just uh, you know worrying about the partner doing something like going off to another person. It's just simple, regular stuff that uh, happens every day um, that you worry because obviously you don't want your partner that something happens to them. No, it's interesting though because as I'm hearing that, like one of the things that that's coming to me is like, why do men take on everyone's like fear and responsibility for everyone all the time because like you know the way we're they're talking and sometimes we're, we're sounding like you know like it's our responsibility to save and protect these people and stop them from you know like you know alan if your your partner doesn't wear a helmet like it's your fault because you didn't stop her i mean it's not your fault man <laughs> you know it's 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 not your fault i mean it's i think it's really important that men take a step back and say you know, I can encourage someone to do something because I think it would be good for them. And, you know, selfishly, it would make me feel so much better. You can, you can try to empathize with people, but you can't take responsibility for that because it's not your responsibility. And I think it's good once kids get to a certain age that we relinquish that back more and more as well, is that it's not your responsibility to like make sure they're safe all the time. Your responsibility is to give them the tools to help themselves to be safe because that is the problem. We've got people who are 
you know, I see this explosion of anxiety and it's because people are worried about everything all of the time. And I feel like, you know, you've not been given the tools to manage these things. And that's a real, that's, that's, that's a, a problem as a, a systemic failing um, that we've not enabled enough young people to have the tools to, to manage these things. Um, but it's also because I think people feel like they have to have too much responsibility over other people as well. Um, and I think it's important for our own health to take a step back sometimes and, and, and relinquish control that we've never, we're never meant to have. You bring up such a valuable point, uh, Bruce, because that's the fine line between being vulnerable and being trusting, like Alan was saying, being courageous and brave, like Tim was talking about, and being codependent and, you know, um, creating a bond where you're overemphasizing the need that people have uh, to constantly serve you or your needs when it's really not about us. I think that it's like, you know, we've got to, um, we build much better relationships, I think, with people when we are able to recognize everyone's individual agency and their, their individual power. And, and then when we're able to be honest with each other about that, then, you know, we do things to support each other. And I think people make concessions for each other. So if in that example, you know, someone might actually make a concession to help you if you're feeling particularly anxious about something and that's all, that's all good. Um, but I also think that it's really important that we, we are self-sufficient and it's something that makes, it's something about, that's, that is for me is strength. So I, I feel strong in my life, but don't ask me to pick up a heavy weight. You know, I, I'm not that strong, but I am, I feel strong in my life because I feel, I feel self-sufficient and I feel like I'm able to tackle problems and, and, probably enables me to be vulnerable in some cases, but also not be fully reliant on someone else, but recognize that I need other people to support me, um, but that no one person needs to, should, ha should, should be fully responsible for that. But I think also just to, to say about, you know, linking it back to the parenting thing, is I think that it's good for, you know, there to be a parental figure that is, that is there as you're going and then knows when to step back. And that's really, really significant because you need to, it's like, you know, helping someone ride a bike, you know, you need to let them think they're riding the bike, step back and, and they're actually capable of doing it. I think it's that, surely that analogy follows you through different stages in, in, in your, your childhood as well. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the offer of support and the offer of care and the offer of, um, considering options um, which is how I see what you've just said Bruce about you know knowing how far to go and when to let go um, and trying to get children to take responsibility for what is their responsibility even from an early age you know the, the, um, there's lots in life that starts early on um, that we seem to forget sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. And for me, it comes back to assertiveness. This idea of you know, I I know what I want and what I need. I know what I'm responsible for, and that stops at the line where you know what you want and need and what you're responsible for. And we we offer support to each other to do those things, but we don't cross that line. Um, and again, for me, that's that's what being adult and human is, is about um, but I wonder for some people you know when they when they want to control others or take responsibility for others or, or not allow other people to have their own agency or, or responsibilities is that because there is so little in modern western life that we do we do really have control over you know is this the same reason that men hate women you know it's an exercise of, of the little power that they have left in a world that says normal individuals don't really count that much um and and i, and I think in degrees you know 
both of you, Alan and, and Bruce, you know, you, you, you are confident in business um, or in the work that you do might be a better phrase for it. Um, and, and others of us are, are not, you know, leaders in work or self-employed business people or whatever. Um, and where does that come from? You know, is, is that parents that have equipped you early on to be like that and be confident naturally? Is it, um, I see a difference in, in Scotland between people who've been to private school and public school. Oh yeah. Or, or you know, um, state school. And, and the people that I see go through private schooling very often much more confident, not always, you know, in tandem with their abilities, but in certainly in this idea of I, I can go and do what I want to do. Um, and that's a natural state for me. So definitely, I think, that, you know, there's a, a great element of upbringing and early experience and, and nurture around that. And then the rest you know, comes later, doesn't it, as we mature into what we want to be. But, um, but yeah, that element of overstepping the mark into somebody else's responsibility is very costly for, for all concerned. Mm. Um, if we could teach that out of people early on. Yeah, I've, I've been saying, I'm wangling into every bit of work that I've done for the last 25 years is saying we should teach kids in primary school how to be assertive. Um, and nobody's ever listened, but I keep banging on about it. <laughs> but I mean, the system doesn't want them to be assertive. That's for yeah. absolute certain. So I think that's the role of parents. I think I'm I'm grateful for um, how I was brought up, and it's mainly I think because of my mother, uh, who was feisty, small little woman who was uh, you know. A kind of uh, in a position of power a little bit. She was a right hand of a man who was running a pawn shop. Um, so kind of uh, she was basically running the town and and maybe for me that was more strong of a figure compared to my dad and uh, I learned the independence from her and she was pushing me to do that and I think like to kind of maybe uh, wrap everything all the thoughts into one I would say just to kind of um, maybe encourage others to try, um, you know, to do something courageous, just believe in themselves and just try to do something courageous if they haven't tried. Um, kind of, if it's um, sharing the vulnerability, if they never done it, just try for the first time, share some detail from, um, from, from their, their life that they never shared, maybe with their partner or um, with someone in their immediate circle um just generally uh basically making the first step into the, the the this this bravery this courage this assertiveness and uh i think in, in my opinion that it's like a muscle the more you do it the stronger it becomes and the more confident you become and it just becomes like a second nature and it helps in life um, in many situations. So that's kind of like an uplifting point for me. I think just give it a go, try. And if you can already do it, maybe be an example for someone else. I can officially say that I am that kind of example for my girlfriend. She's less assertive and she's not so confident. And uh, I'm trying every day to do something courageous to, for her to see that she can follow and, and, and maybe try herself. And then I support her in doing that. And, um, you know, I think it's working very well. We both grow as a couple, we grow as, as a separate uh, individuals. Um, so yeah, if we can all help each other become a little bit more courageous, um, it'll be great. I think one of the easy steps into this is to say, I don't know, when you don't know, rather than, pretend you do <laughs> or make up some spurious answer because um, that's one of the really basic uh, examples of, of, of this for me is that people worry about not having all the answers and we none of us have all the answers 
So yeah, for me, that the, the practical advice around this was the next time that somebody asks you something or to do something you're not sure about to say, I don't know, but I'll still have a go at it with some help from somewhere. Mm. Yeah, and I, th I think just to, to echo all that, I think that the best thing any of us can can do is remember that we're all human, we're all people, we're all going through challenges and things. And so the challenges that we face are likely to be reflected in the people around us. And when you realize that, it means you can empathize with them, which means that you can be more open and you can have more kind of authentic conversations and relationships, which I think is so important at the moment. And just starting that with, with people is, you know, being open is, is a great place to, to, to start, I think. Um, but you also want to make sure that it's okay to, to say no, it's okay to be assertive, but you can do it with a smile. Not everything, you know, being assertive is, is not about being angry or aggressive. It's just about being clear about what's right for you. And in my experience, people love boundaries. And as soon as you set those boundaries, people really are respectful of that and, and they'll then let you know their boundaries. Um, and so it creates a good context for you to start you know, being more open and, and more vulnerable. Thank you, gentlemen, for a very interesting uh, direction to the conversation from vulnerability to bravery to courage to responsibility, accountability and agency. Um, the most important thing is know that everybody has an impact on others when we make our decisions. So when we come from a place of groundedness and, and not fear or not insecurity, there's so much that can come from that, be it vulnerability, be it courage, be it bravery or anything else. So join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat show, podcast and Zoom live. Share, like and follow the Genuine Men's Chat uh, channel on YouTube and our posts in LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Join the Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join other men in these discussions. Our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet? See you next time.